it's me, Zenobia Darling. You're listening to Hashtag Rockstar Life, the Coffee Break Podcast. Let's go. my cold brew at Ooh, what's up guys it is me zenobia darling i am coming at you bright and early on a monday morning we are just like wendy williams we are live out of baltimore on a monday morning at what is it 10 3 a.m so i had a self-care weekend and did nothing um i actually w- did something saturday night but really did nothing just kind of laid in bed watch movies and i just figured i would give you guys like an end of february espresso shot i want to talk about vanderpump rules i want to talk about wendy williams and just some i had some wild ghost hunting encounters in the past like I don't know, like six weeks that I, I haven't really shared that I, I figured I would spill for you. So let's get into it. Let's get into this February espresso shot. Right off the bat this weekend. So uh, what's, what is today? It is Monday, February 26th. This will be out tomorrow morning. So, but this weekend, Liz Lawson, who's been on the podcast before, amazing, fine artist, uh, punk rock queen. She asked if I want to go to an underground um, punk show. And I said, sure. It's been a while since I've been to one of them. And of course, in my, in my like, you know, hashtag rock star life, like brain, and also I'm a professional performer. I'm thinking, what venue is it? Like she says it's in, um, it's near White Marsh, but it's, it's not, it's kind of like on the east side of Baltimore. I was like, okay. So I'm like, what venue's there? So I texted her. I'm like, are we going to be backstage? And she goes, this is a house party. Like, this is like a house show, underground house show. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Go there. It is this punk, like, hardcore punk band performing called Trash Diva. Uh, freaking amazing. I love punk music. I showed up. I had a blue mohawk. I had on my custom-painted hashtag Rockstar Life jacket. Like, I look sick as fuck. Eyeliner on messy. And the trick to punk eyeliner, like, especially when I'm doing, like, boy Zenobia like that I put my makeup on at like I don't know like 2 30 like the eyeliner and then I go take a nap so I had to meet Liz at, at 7 uh, at 6 37 so I put my makeup on at 2 2 30 went to sleep for two hours woke up and I had perfect punk eyeliner on so that that's my little beauty secret so we go there and you know we're at somebody's house like we're literally like we pull up go in we go in like the basement door like down there's like a carpet with like the band and then you get like trash diva playing another punk band called um i think it was called feral creature another one that was kind of like a desert stoner punk band but it was like it was so much fun and everybody was cool chill everyone like i just i love that scene and like i have fucking fallen in love with trash diva go follow them they are i i'm blown away by them like i really was like their music was on point their lead singer had a um had a stage presence that i really respect and they also kind of connect to like the the queer punk baltimore scene because that's the other thing being queer i'm gay as fuck i I mean i'm punk as fuck i'm punk rock there's a very punkness to being queer and i'm starting to see more in mainstream punk culture that connections being made and and with trash diva it was and i was like oh here we go here we go but other than that so friday i laid in bed all damn day i was tired like there's just some stuff that has been popping up like the last like 
I don't know. Just 2024 has just been coming at me like a fucking freight train. And I don't know. I just I I, I just needed to, to chill out this weekend. So fr- what did I do Friday? I watched Joan Crawford movies and then I watched some John Waters movies. So all I did was I smoked weed and laid in bed all day. It was it was wonderful. So then no, so Saturday I wake up, I go for a hike, and then I come back, take a nap, you know, go to the punk show. But then Sunday, yesterday, I wake up. And I wanted to watch the Wendy Williams documentary. And I have some thoughts on it. I haven't seen last night's episode, the the final two hours of it. But I saw the first two hours. And it's just, I don't know. Like, I'm really trying hard to put that through my comedy filter. But it is also, it's just challenging because I love Wendy Williams. I mean, you have talked, I mean, I have talked extensively on this podcast about how much I love Wendy Williams, how much that woman has inspired me to do what I'm doing, even right now when I'm podcasting. I mean, it was all Wendy. She got her start on the radio. I've always listened to her, even back when she was on the radio. I remember her iconic interview with Whitney Houston, with Mariah Carey, just all of them. And just, you know, I I love Wendy. And it's very hard to see Wendy in this light because she clearly is struggling with mental illness. She's clearly struggling with with addiction issues, she, she's she's struggling. And you can kind of see that play out. And and she's not the lovable, likable Wendy that's that we're used to. And that's also a bit jarring. But at the same time, like she is a human and she is capable of all emotions and the entire range of the human experience. So I don't hold that against her, but it, it's just it's very jarring. And I'm just going to say this, just with my, like, reality TV brain going on, there definitely is some type of false narrative happening with this documentary. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about it where I'm like, we're not getting, like, someone's covering for somebody, and I don't know if it's Wendy's family, I don't know if it's the guardianship, or the conservator, I don't know if it's Wendy herself, I don't know, but there's, or Lifetime, there's just, there's some type of false narrative that I'm picking up on, Uh, you don't know who's there, who's really there, who, it, there's just so much, there, it's so layered, and on top of that, like, you're getting, like, intervention level, like mental illness on camera in your face it has that exploitative aspect to it but at the same time like i'm just gonna say this about the exploitative nature all uh media like that all reality shows all anytime you have a camera documenting somebody it's exploitative there's always that aspect of it and i look at it like wendy is an executive producer the other weird thing is is her son's an executive producer so i think something's a little fishy like that and then you know, she got diagnosed with dementia and alophagia, plus she got the the lymphedema and the the thyroid thing. So it it there's just a lot going on. And then clearly she loves her kettle one. Like not I mean, I'm not judging, I'm not judging. Trust me. I, we all have our bit demons and we all like our boozing and our and our substances, but clearly there's there's some type of level of addiction going on, especially when you saw that scene. I just watched it. It's the one where they're near, they're near, they're in Chelsea, New York City, and they're going to get her her vape. And Wendy is just like abusing her PR person, having her run in, run out, getting the wrong shit. She doesn't know where she's at. And then you see like them break the fourth wall, and actual like producers come over and they're like, "We have to stop filming. Something's not right. Like something's not right." And that's something where I'm like. Ooh, that was some intervention shit right there. I feel really bad for Wendy. I I wish her the best. I love her. 
I'm praying for her. I am sending her good vibes. Wendy is everything. Do I think she's going to come back? I don't know. I definitely think that there, you know, there might be an avenue for her to come back, but I don't think that the Wendy Williams that we have known for the past 20 years is there anymore. And that's really sad to me. And that's something I've kind of been mourning a little bit. I'm just kind of like, damn, especially when like, I don't know, Nikki and Megan had that feud. I kind of, you know, I, I wanted to wake up and see Wendy talk about it live on her talk show because Wendy would be talking about it. I want to see Wendy talk about this stuff. Like, I, I miss that figure in our pop culture because I keep feeling like these figures, whatever powers it be in media, in government, I don't know, I'm not here to spew conspiracy theories, but I definitely think that voices like Wendy, voices like Kathy Griffin and stuff like that, like, the more that they're towing the line and they just don't give a fuck, the more silence they get. And I think that there's something about that that we need to really look at. We need people like Wendy. I talked about this last week with Jam. Like we, you know, we need figures like Wendy. And I, I mean, I'm, I hope, hopefully I'm, I'm on that level. Like I do that. But yeah, there's just, there's some fishiness going on and I'm going to watch the final two parts tonight. So we will see. We will see what, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but it should be good. All right. So moving right along. So before we get into Vanderpump Rules, I just, I had some um, paranormal investigating drama happen. Uh, this was about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. I was at a private residence. Um, I went over there to have dinner with one of my friends, and the way things were happening, I could tell there was there was some type of weird energy in the house. I thought that my friend's grandmother was there and kind of, like, directing me to go downstairs, like, in their basement. And, you know, like, lights were going off, and I could just feel that there was, like, a female presence. So I started talking to my friend. I was like, hey, like, what is this female presence? And he was like, oh, it's my grandmother. She's here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And then, so I just, like, you know, I always carry my spirit box with me, you know? Like, I love this shit. So I get my spirit box out, and I just start doing, like, a real quick session because I'm like, clearly somebody wants to communicate clearly there is a spirit here they're trying to get my attention of all things and it was also weird because i was not supposed to go up there for dinner i i was i, I had off that day it was like a friday and i just something told me to go like, like just go up there so i texted my friend and and he was like yeah i'll cook dinner like come up i also could tell that there was there was a lot of tension in the house there was this a lot of tension and conflict happening which i also picked up on the minute i walked in the house i was like okay there's definitely something here and, and there's also like, there's something not, uh, there's some type of lower vibrational being in the, in the house that all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say. Like, I don't, and also I don't really want to go into sp specifics about this because it is a podcast, like it is a public platform and they did ask me to kind of keep some privacy, but I did say like, Hey, can I talk about this a little bit? And they said, sure. So I get my spirit box out and I am, you know, I'm doing quick spirit box session and I get this voice that comes through and like his grandmother had a very specific southern accent and she comes through and says go to the basement and he heard it and was like oh 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 that's her like that's her voice oh my god and that was like the first time he really heard the paranormal which I freaking love that moment there's something that happens when you ghost hunt and when you do paranormal investigating and it's happened to me before when actual paranormal evidence comes through like the spirit box intelligently answers your question or responds to you 
or you guys see something or some weird synchronicity happens, there's something where when in that moment, like that you can tell that the person is kind of like, oh shit, like like they're there you could tell their worldview just changes. Like, oh my god, this spirit world is real. The paranormal is a real thing. And it is a real thing. I mean, I have had many experiences with the paranormal that I'm a firm believer. There is some thing that I don't think humans are meant to understand, but there is something there paranormal-wise. And that it, we had one of those moments with, with my friend. So his mom comes in, and then all of a sudden, there is a telephone in the basement. It's one of those like 1980s-style telephones. Like, you know, like one of the first like digital ones and it lights up there's one in the basement and all of a sudden out of nowhere we're in the kitchen and we start hearing the this phone ring so we're like looking around and it's like you know the main the main house phone like there is like they still have a landline and it's also connected to the tv and like someone was watching the tv in the living room it's connected to the tv like that phone was not ringing so it's like the main landline of the house was not ringing no one's cell phone was ringing it was this phone in the basement so we go down there and there's the phone it's lighting up it's bring ring it's it's like ringing and then I'm like, oh, shit, that's weird. So me and my friend go down there, and his mom goes down there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, something's down here. I, and, you know, like, I, I, the more you ghost hunt, the more, you know, everybody's psychic. But the more you're around the paranormal, the more you're around that energy and really pick up on it, it's kind of like working out, like, the stronger you get. So I can normally walk into a place, and I can tell if it's haunted or not. I can tell if spirits are present because I'm used to it. So we go in the basement. The phone's ringing. I'm literally like oh, what the fuck's down here? Something's down here. I don't know what this is. I gotta, like... I don't know. And I, I started going... And I could tell also that it was kind of a lower vibrational being. And so I was, like... I, I kind of got... I turned on into, like, you know, ghost hunter mode. Like, I am used to... And also, when knowing that it was a little bit of a lower vibrational being, I had to, I had to protect myself. And I knew that, like, you know, I was with two other people that... that weren't really used to the paranormal. So I kind of took over that role of like, okay, like I got to take lead and like everybody's safe right now. And I'm going to keep everybody safe because I don't know what to do. But like, it just got a little, it got a little intense like that. We go over to the phone. The phone is not plugged in. There's no batteries to it. So how it was ringing and lighting up is still a mystery to me. Pick it up. There's it's, it's blank. No one's on the phone. It's like, you know, and then I even asked, I said, is there like a second line? They're like, no, no, there's no second line. So, so the phone is ringing and lighting up. I mean, it's, it's not plugged in. Like there's no power source to it. So we're like, so that's when all of a sudden I'm like, okay, like whoever's down here, show yourself. And I kept getting this like mental image of this, like, I don't know, like kind of, he kind of had like preacher vibes, like. And he just had, like, creepy eyes, and he was bald, a little bit overweight, older, had... I just remember the really creepy eyes, and I was like, what the fuck are you? And then I got this vibe that he was, like, kind of deviant. So then, and, like, he was kind of, like... I could I could tell, like, when I... Like, he was very hesitant, because I think he realized, like, oh, like, this fucking witch. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I also could tell that, that there was... I don't know. It was a low-verbational being that was hiding behind 
some type of spirituality that wasn't really real, if that makes sense. Like he was using it and uh, to kind of, I don't, I don't know how to, how to describe it. So, so then all of a sudden I start going in of like, okay, like I, I tell my friend, I'm like, you know, and he's a chef. I was like, what? I need sage. I need some type of herbs. I need to, I need to do like a cleansing ritual and like get this fucker out of the house. So then my friend runs upstairs to the kitchen, grabs, like, I don't know, he grabs rosemary, like, and he has a lot of fresh herbs, so brought down stuff. So I light it, and I start cleansing the basement, and this little fucker, like, being is, like, hiding in a closet. And so I go into the closet, and I, I kept hearing, like, Catholic chanting. I don't know how to describe it, but, like, I could I could hear it, like, with, with like, I don't think it was actually, like, happening. And also, the energy in the in the basement was getting intense. And, like, my, my friend and his mom are like, what the fuck is happening? Like, is this, is this for real? And I'm like, it's fine. So then I start doing my cleansing ritual. And also, like, when I'm, when I'm cleansing something like that, I mean, the East Baltimore comes out of me. It's get the fuck out of my house. Get the fuck out of this space. You're not welcome. Leave. What the fuck? You, who, who do you think you are? You need to, you know, I get like that. Like, my, you know, my friends at Haven are all like, oh, there goes Derek. But like, seriously, these people are not welcome. Get the fuck out of your house. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, especially when it comes to these low vibrational beings. Go fuck yourself, you know? So then I start cleansing, and then all of a sudden, I could tell when I started stepping up, like, the entity kind of started backing down. And then I tell my friend's mom, I was like, okay, go open the back door. As soon as she goes over and opens the back door in the basement, I mean, the second the door opened, the, the energy in the basement got calm. It was just like, I don't know. It just finally, it calmed. I could tell the spirit left. So that, And that was the first time that, like, they both experienced that, and they're just like, what the fuck happened? So then we go back upstairs, and we're, like, kind of in the living room. Because, and also, I had to, like, I had to go outside, because after something like that, like, it takes a lot of energy, and, like, I just had to, like, take, like, five minutes, take a deep breath, just kind of like, whew. okay, so I'm outside, a freaking fox comes up to me, which is always a sign. So, like, f- like any type of, like, raccoon, fox... And vultures are kind of like my spirit animals. So anytime there's something like crazy like that, I'm going to see one of those three animals. It never fails. So I'm outside. Here comes this fox up to me, just like, ooh, and it chirped at me, which I kind of think it was like, hey, like, good job. Like, you did good. So I go back in, and um, my friend's mom is in the living room, and she steps on this, like, I don't know. It's like a copper cross. It was like in the middle of the floor, right in the walkway. And we had just walked in that area straight up. It, I don't know. Like we would have, we would have seen this like before, like it, it wasn't, it was there. It just, it appeared there pretty much. And we're looking at it. It's a cross. And I think it was from his grandmother um, who came through the spirit box and said, go to the basement. And I kind of think that she kind of arranged me to come up there because she knew I could deal with this. And then like some backstory that there was some um, revelations that happened about some sexual abuse that happened in my friend's family that had just started coming to light. And 
it was this preacher who this Catholic preacher or, or father or I don't he's not I don't I have no respect for people that do this. So you know this this fuckhead who wants to hide behind the Catholic Church and sexually abuse people. It had come to light that that had happened and in the in the seventies and you know and because a lot of people they do this performative positivity you know. You know, the rug's 10 feet off the ground with everything swept under it, but you gotta pretend like everything's fine. It was never talked about. It finally got talked about. And this preacher died, I think, 10 years ago. And, um, and he was close to the family and he, one of, he had some item in the basement that the spirit was attached to. And I think because that start, that sexual abuse started coming to light, it kind of like, I think it sparked that dude, the, the spirit of that dude to come to the basement. But ever since then, I mean, I, I've texted my friend. Everything's fine. Everything's good. He really thanks me. He said the house has a new new calmness. But, oh, yeah, he was saying that, like, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of arguments and conflict with, within the family. So I feel like I did some good. But, you know, it just it was one of those moments where I was like, this is intense. And then, of course, I'm telling my witch family about it. And they're like, holy shit, like, you banished a pedophile Catholic priest? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I did. I feel pretty good about that, too. But seriously, and I'm just going to say this, like, you know, I keep seeing all these reports on the news about, like, oh, how people aren't going to church and how people, you know, the, the churches are losing money and all this stuff. And, it, and, and a lot of stuff about the Catholic Church. And it's like, look at this shit with, you know, the, the Catholic Church and the pedophile priest. It's disgusting. And they just, and it's the same thing with this dude, because I researched him. There's like 26 counts of sexual abuse against this, this particular preacher. And, you know, he was moved from place to place to place. Because he kept doing it. So instead of like banishing this this creepo and just saying, hey, you can't do it, they just moved it around and he kept doing it and doing it. And think of all all the destruction that that, that his sexual abuse caused. Because I know, mo- I watch the Soft White Underbelly channel a lot on YouTube with Mark Lita. And most of those people he interviews on Skid Row and in like Kensington Avenue in Philly and, and all the places where a lot of homeless people, a lot of drug addicts are, I can guarantee you probably 90% of them have some type of childhood sexual abuse. So that's the type of shit where I'm like, you know, that, that shit is evil. Like that shit is disgusting. And I don't think people talk about that enough. It's, it's, it's gross to me, but you know, you know, and this dude, I, and also I felt like this entity in the basement, it, it kind of was, it was thriving on the chaos. And, but when it comes to that, it was like, he, he wanted to act like he was all big and bad hiding behind the Catholic church and behind, behind this like false Catholic faith. And then, you know, someone like me, you know, I don't subscribe to any organized religion. I mean, I definitely have a unique mixture of witchcraft and shamanism as my higher power. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where once I started stepping up and I was like, no, like, this is not okay. You're like, you're going to leave. He backed right down. I mean, he did. And when I got ghetto with him and, and told him to get the fuck out, he got the fuck out. So... I don't know. It's just that's a little ghost hunting story that happened that a few weeks ago that that I haven't really told anybody because it kind of taken me a little bit to process because one of those things where and this thing this is another thing about ghost hunting that I don't think people realize is you can have cameras on you when you're ghost hunting. The weirdest shit happens 
randomly. I just randomly was going up to my friend's house to have dinner, and I walked into that situation. And it's like, you can't account for the stuff like that, because that that's when the best stuff happens, is off-camera. I mean, I'm in the process of trying to, of shooting a new art film about the paranormal, and we've been I've been filming some of my paranormal investigations, and it's like, we're getting a lot of just, you know me in the element and whatnot and we are getting some evidence but like something like that i would have loved to include in the art film but at the same time like i wasn't i was off the clock i was going up to have dinner with a friend and you know and then i walk into this this nightmare and i fixed it and i made it right and i brought peace to a house that i don't think had peace in a while so I don't know. It's just, that's something with the paranormal you just gotta roll with, but I fucking love it. So. All right, ad break. I gotta pay for all this damn coffee I'm drinking and tea I'm spilling. It's me, Zenobia, darling. So, as many of you know, I'm more than just a podcaster, stand up comic, and drag queen. I'm also a very accomplished painter and photographer, and you can check it all out on ZenobiaDarlingCreative.com. I have an art blog on there sponsored by the Harford County Cultural Arts Board. And just all my paintings, photography, you get podcast stuff. I have an art film that premiered in September that you can buy on there too. So make sure you check it out. It supports me, supports the podcast. All right, so let's get back to the podcast. All right, let's roll into Vanderpump Rules. So I watched last week's episode. I'm just going to say this. I am... I'm getting very annoyed with Ariana. It's like Ariana, you should have you should just walked away. You should have just not come back this season if you're not going to film. The thing is though is I'm not justifying what Tom Sandoval did to you, but I'm going to say this. You both are cast members on Vanderpump Rules. You need to make a television show. And and the way the audience likes somebody is when they're a victim and you're kind of making Tom Sandoval a victim, which is fucked up to say, but at the same time, like people are turning on you, Ariana. So it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know, like you got to film. Like if you didn't want to film, you didn't want to be on the damn show. You should have just walked away and said, it is what it is. I'm moving on with my life. That's my opinion. But that's, you know, right off the bat, I'm, I'm just going to say that. So and I'm going to also this season, I don't know. I'm a little bored. I'm a little bored. I'm just, I, I just, I'm not feeling it. There's something about it that is just feeling very off to me. It's feeling very, I don't know. They're just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down for it. I mean, I'm still watching it, but you know, so you know, we get Tom and Ariana, they live in the same house. Can I just like, what the fuck? Like Ariana, move out, Tom, move out, get in a, get a condo. Like, you know, like just, just sell the house, you know, at who cares about making, just, just sell the house, divide the profits and move on with your life. Why are you guys both still living in that house with that poor fucking assistant? It's just, it makes no fucking sense to me. And it's like, you know, I, I don't, I just don't understand it. You know, just, just cut your losses or somebody like move out or I don't know, but it's just like, and it's not really that good of a house. It is a mass market farmhouse in the Valley of Los Angeles. There is probably, I don't know, eight other houses 
identical to it on that block. There's probably 10,000 other houses identical to it in the general, like, 20-mile radius. Frickin' Dorit from Real House of Beverly Hills has the same fucking house, too, only a little bit bigger. So, that's why I'm like, what is the greatness about this fucking house, Tom and Ariana? Like, just, just sell it. Move on with your fucking life. Like, I'm just, I'm so, like over it. And that's the thing also that I love, like they are bringing out like that pissy venomous rage I have, which, which I always say the reality television on Bravo always brings it out. Like true does. Larsa Pippen brings it out. Tamara brings it out. Ramona sort of brings it out. And, um, Oh, and Katie brings it out, too. This, that, like, pissy venom. But, like, they're getting it. It's like, move the fuck out. Let's use our common sense. Like, come on, people. It's just so, so dumb. And then DJ James Kennedy, he moved into Burbank near the airport. Like, he has a cute house, but it's just, like, I don't know. And then there's something about James Kennedy that, that I'm like, do we need to go back and get a refresher about who James Kennedy is? Do we? Because I don't think he's changed. I don't think he definitely is feeling himself. He's definitely really buff right now. He definitely works out. And I'm just like, you know, him being a hostess. And of course, he's bitching. I had to run to Target. I had to run to here. I spent two grand. It's like, who gives a fuck? You're throwing a party. Like, that's on camera. Like, you know, big. you bought a $1.3 million, you know, single family house near the airport. And of course, production, that's another Vanderpump Rules, like, trope that I fucking love, is that they always show how shitty their living arrangements is. Like, do you remember when they lived in that the apartments and like Tom and Ariana lived in that shitty apartment where he couldn't run the AC and the microwave at the same time and you would blow a fuse and they would show it and it's like this god-awful mess. It's just god-awful, just like, ugh, like living like me. It's it, I mean, I don't live in a mess, but I definitely, I mean, where I live in Havity Grace in East Baltimore, it, or Eastern suburbs of Baltimore, uh, people call it the projects, but it, it's really not. It's It's nice. You know, it's pretty, you know, it is what it is. But like, I'm like, you know, you guys are on a reality show and, like, you guys are living like me. Like, that's kind of funny. Like, that's something that makes me laugh. But now, like, but now they kind of elevated because they've been on the show for what? I mean, G. James Kennedy was, he appeared on the second season, but then he joined the cast in season three because he was dating Kristen, which, oh, by the way, by the way, before we get into it, just because I brought it up. After I watched this week's Vanderpump Rules, I went back and watched the season two reunion. It was, I think it was like two or three episodes. Oh my God. It brought back so many memories. And the thing that I love about Vanderpump Rules, and it's interesting because Summer House to me is East Coast Vanderpump Rules, but, it, but um, Andy Cohen does not treat the Summer House cast like the Vanderpump Rules cast. Like, you and the whole time watching any reunion, you can tell Andy hates these people. He knows he's above these people. He talks down to them, and he's really shady. So the whole time, and, and they hate Kristen. Oh, and it's just like Andy just is going at it, asking such, like, and he's just asking questions, being Andy Cohen, like, and straight up everything has like such like a uh, dialed up shade to it, which just was cracking me up. And like Kristen was talking over somebody and he's like, you don't have the floor. You don't have the floor. And just like, you know, and then the other thing about the season two reunion that cracked me up was like Kristen Doty 
clearly has some type of personality disorder, allegedly, allegedly, some type of mental illness that she was trying to work through. Uh, that first, se- that those first three seasons, she clearly was not medicated for it. She clearly was not in therapy, and we got to see it gloriously on those early seasons of Vanderpump Rules. And Ariana is calling it out. She's like, "I think you have borderline personality disorder. You should Google it. Like, you're not mentally well." And Chris is like, oh, "Fuck you, Ariana. I'm just gonna cry. Fuck you." So you know, it's. Oh my god, I was just fucking loving it. I I love it because I'm like, who the fuck are you, Ariana, to to sit there and label this? But at the same time, you know, it's like it's like Wendy Williams talking about Mariah Carey, like when she goes, "Well, we all know Mariah Carey got a tick," you know, and it's like, yeah, we all know Crazy Kristen got a tick. We all know that, but you don't gotta call it out because that makes it dark, and it's like. I don't know, but Kristen is Kristen. I love her, and I've always said this, and I think John Waters says this too. The best reality stars are people with personality disorders. There's something about that that makes for the most compelling reality tell. Leanne Locken on Dallas. <clears throat> God, there goes my voice. Leanne Locken on Dallas. Clearly, trauma out the wazoo from her childhood. Clearly has a personality disorder. Best fucking reality star. Kristen Doty. I mean, they just a model of personality disorder is if you're ever casting a reality show, cast that because you will have gold. It might be a little unethical. It might be a little, I don't know, but but just like I don't know. And then of course, back then you get Sheena. We kind of got this this most I think the the third episode of this season, but Sheena wants to be a pop star and then Sheena's like, Andy, I just want your job. Like I just want to be you. So if you if you ever retire, I'll take your job being a host. And it's like Sheena, like, okay. But again, Sheena went to school for broadcast journalism, which, you know, it has a degree in that, which I'm like, I don't think very many people in this world went to college, but Sheena did. And I don't know. I love it. I love it. And then also from the season two reunion that I'm just going to talk about before I move, move back into this episode was, so it comes out that Kristen is hooking up with D. James Ames Kennedy and Chris, and so Andy's like, Kristen, were you dan were you real are you really shacking up with a twenty-one or with a twenty-one year old bus boy? And she goes, Damn right, I'm fucking a twenty-two year old. Damn right. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? And then we go back into history and it's like Tom Sandoval and GJ James Kennedy were were like GJ James Kennedy was getting ready to move in with Tom and start hooking up with Kristen while they were like while they had just broken up. So it's like you go back because Tom's Tom is mentioning this this season, and it's like if you go back into the history vaults of Vanderpump Rules, Tom's saying what actually happened, which like, and it's funny because it's Tom, no one's believing it, and I just think that is so fucking hilarious to me because it's like Tom is speaking the truth about the GJ James Kennedy and Kristen Doty, but at the same time, it's like I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know, it just. I fucking love it. I really, I don't know. I just, I love it. So one thing I will say also, so we get a scene where Lala and Sheena pull up to Villa Rosa to see Lisa Vanderpump. And I'm just going to say this. 
Sheena is driving a Nissan Z Roadster. Okay, that's about a $45,000 car. I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing any shade at it, but at the same time, I'm throwing shade at it. Sheena, do you, I don't want to see a Nissan. I want to see a Mercedes, a BMW, a Bentley, a uh, Rolls Royce, a, a Bugatti. I want to see. A, I want to see a car of aspiration, a Jaguar, or how does Gigi James Kennedy do? A Jaguar. Like I want to see something like that, or a Porsche. I don't want to see a Nissan. And she pulls up at a new Nissan, and I'm just like, girl, can we? Can we not? Can we not? Like. Yes, it's a $45,000 car, but really, really? And of course, any, any scene we have of Lisa Vanderpump of Vanderpump Rules, she is lit perfectly, perfect makeup. You know, she, like, can we talk about this? Like, she looks crazy. Like, because, and like, what is her point on this show? Like, can can Lisa Vanderpump go back on Beverly Hills? Because she's also trying to change the narrative about Tom Sandoval. Because she's also thinking, like, I'm I got to produce this show how do I get, oh, I'm going to do the mental health card. And it's like, this is the thing about this whole thing because, like, they're bringing it up. Sandoval was having suicidal ideation in the middle of the Scandoval and still is. And I just want to bring up, like, Ariana did too. Ariana said on that last reunion that she had to have some of her friends sit with her a few time, a few nights, like 24 hours, because she was in that dark of a place. And Ariana has been very open about her mental health issues and her journey. And it's like, I don't know, like that really pissed me off because it's like, I think like people are not realizing Ariana was suicidal too. She was battling suicidal ideation when everything happened and had to be in her 24 hour care. So them, so Lisa Vanderpump and the rest of the cast being like, oh, Tom's having suicidal ideation. Yeah, he probably is, but let's not forget Ariana had it too, and no one's talking about that. That's what's pissing me off about this whole thing. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. And then freaking Lisa is debuting Donut, a clone dog of Jiggy. I'm like, what is up with these one percenters, <clears throat> these like wealthy people cloning their fucking dog? Like, stop it. It's annoying. You get freaking Paris Hilton doing it. You get Lisa Vanderpump. And who the fuck names your dog Donut? Like, really? Donut? So then we get a scene of Tom Sandoval and Billy Lee going to some spa for Tom Sandoval to dunk in cold water. Like, are you kidding me? Are you these dumb LA idiots? Like, what that type of bullshit LA bullshit are they doing? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm so like these people are such a specific type of LA idiot, and it's like it it just plays out on this. It's. <clears throat> And not only that, Tom Sandoval was on uh whatever that 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 Foxtrot first line show where the, he was like training with Marines and doing like cold water dunks doing that because he's like I'm gonna show people how tough I am and he was boohooing and, and blah blah blah. So he just comes back from that and of course he's like, okay, I'm gonna do this on Vanderpump Rules. Watch me do a cold dunk with freaking Billy Lee, who I'm just gonna say this, clearly they're having sex. Clearly. And to all the haters out there who want to come for Tom for hooking up with a trans woman, who fucking cares? Billy Lee is a woman, and you, you can sleep with whoever you want. <clears throat> I'm not shading that. I'm shading the fact that Billy Lee is a thirsty troll, and somehow is brought back into this world and is best friend and is shooting with Tom Sandoval. I find that very ironic, and I find that 
I don't know. And of course, Tom's like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve happiness. And she's like, oh, no, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And like, why he's cold dunking. I'm like, you fucking idiots. You fucking LA idiots. I'm just, I I just, I, I couldn't handle it. I just, it was... I don't know, like, I, I'm used to this L.A. bullshit, but also I'm very much an East Coaster. I'm very much a Northeast Corridor, like, bitter Betty when it comes to this stuff. Like, yes, I'm in a New Age stuff, but there's just there's just a certain level of it that I'm like, can we not? And, and I reached that threshold this episode with these dumb L.A. idiots. Like, it was a lot. So then I'm going to end it with... With the oh oh we got to meet Joe we got to meet Joe who who uh, Katie said was crazier than crazy Kristen and is a crackhead we got to meet who is fucking Schwartz I really enjoyed that and I'm just gonna say this about Katie I am really loving Katie being a punk emo dyke I love it I love it I say that with love I'm gay so I can say dyke like this but like. That energy she's bringing, I'm like, yes, Katie, you are stepping your pussy up. This is who I want you to be. Like, I'm not a big Katie fan, but I love emo Katie. I love it. There's something about it where I'm like, this suits you. And it's almost like her true self is there. And I, I re- I'm here for it. I'm really here for it. This is the other thing about Vanderpump Rules that I'm getting annoyed with this season. I'm not watching Vanderpump Rules to see sober people. I want them garbage, gutter, trash, circling the drain of despair. That's what I want. I want them drinking. I want them drugging. I want them fucking. I want them being awful creatures to each other. That is why I watch this motherfucking show. So I'm not interested in Schwartz's sober, curious journey. I'm not interested in seeing Lala not drinking. I'm not interested in seeing James Kennedy sober. But also... I do appreciate the fact that clearly James Kennedy is, yeah, he's not drinking, but he was chugging those weed seltzers. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, there we go. There we go. That That's where I'm like, that is the type of shit I want to see on Vanderpump Rules. And I think we can thank Bethany Franco for that because she went and fucked it all up, which is bullshit. So, it, I mean, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot with this show. It, it is. And, and I know I sound like a horrible person saying that, but I'm not, like, these people are not aspirational to me. Like, you know, not, like, yeah, they represent aspirational living. Or no, no, let me rephrase that. The Real Housewives represents aspirational living. Vanderpump Rules is the pursuit to aspirational living. And I want to see these people be awful. And it's like, you know, because that's the thing, that's the the magic of the first six seasons of Vanderpump Rules. There was such a, they, I mean, the hangovers they would have, the all-night partying, the, the drug subtext that producers would edit into, you know, it's like, clearly these people are fucked up and being horrible to each other, and I miss that. And I, I'm not interested in some of this stuff. Like, I'm not interested in seeing these sober journeys. If I want the sober journey, I'll watch Intervention. I'll watch the fucking Wendy Williams documentary. But I'm gonna end this a little espresso shot with th- what happened at the end of Vanderpump Rules, because Lisa Vanderpump, at the very end of this episode, threw a fucking nuke at Rachel slash Raquel. Threw a fucking nuke because... She has her Vanderpump dogs, and of course, she's like always looking for. She's that pernicious matriarchal mother figure to all of them, <clears throat> like the puppet master, like Lady Bracknell. And she's also very capitalistic. How do I get my? How do I get my stuff on the show? So 
She gets Vanderpump Dogs on there, and apparently Graham, the golden doodle that James and um, Raquel had, got put in a got put in a shelter, and Lisa Vanderpump's people re- not Lisa Vanderpump did not rescue the damn dog. Her people did. So she's like, "Oh, okay, let's play this up." And this is this is how Lisa Vanderpump works. She's pissed at. Rachel slash Raquel because she gave the exclusive to Bethany Frankel. I think that really pissed Lisa off and she's like, watch this bitch. So we find out that like Graham was surrendered to a kill shelter. They rescued her. And then, um, and then we get the scene where, where James clearly is like, he's very emotional about it. And you can tell James has like, this is something that makes him really compelling. He has a connection to animals and he loves them. And he is, he is fucked up, like crying about, about what happened to Graham and that he's so happy he got him back. And I'm just like, that's Lisa Vanderpump throwing shade at Raquel. Like, bitch, like I'm going to make you look, I'm going to Lucy, Lucy, apple juice, this shit. Like, you know, and cause she's playing by the same playbook. I mean, we gotta go back to that. Everyone knows who Lucy Lucy Apple Juice is, Dorit's dog given to a kill shelter. You know, that that's the scandal that that got Lisa Vanderpump off Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So it's one of those things where I'm like, Okie dokie, here we go. I know what this is, but I'm gonna end it one hundred percent with this. So we get a preview for next week. Clearly Clearly, yeah, James loves the dog. The dog's a nightmare. The dog's attacking the cats. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. So with that, guys, I got to go to work. So it's a beautiful Monday. I hope you guys have a good week. Make sure you like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. And yeah, I'm being back for the UFO. Peace out. Uh-huh.